Howdy folks, if you have ever wondered where are all the eligible men in our movement or you're a guy and you're trying to figure out how to move forward in your matching process with courage and without fear, I think you are going to really, really like this conversation between myself and Joe Hinkle. Uh, please enjoy and uh, love you all. Welcome back to the MatchNet podcast. This is a special episode for you good folks around the world who are trying to figure out this matching and blessing thing and this podcast is just for everyone that's trying to get matched and blessed but also understand what it is to you personally how to get matched and blessed and uh yeah the only reason we do this is to help people like you and uh, families around the world and so if this is helpful for you guys we'd appreciate if you followed it because we post every week and also share this episode with your team your loved ones and let's get started today we have uh, a great brother of ours joe hinkle how you doing joe i'm doing good. good how you doing good man for people that are not uh, not watching us live, but listening to the podcast. Let's try to describe Joe's features. How would you describe yourself? <laughs> well, right now I'm in need of a haircut. <laughs> and I have a very huge beard. I'm blonde, kind of the beard's reddish a little bit. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, you look like every character from the show Vikings. Do you know that show? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's on Amazon, like every character. So are you are you like part are you ancestors from like Norway or something like that? that, that? Uh basically a mix of all the European backgrounds. Okay. My dad, you know, those DNA tests, my dad got part Neanderthal or something. Oh. <laughs> cool. That's awesome. Well, it must have taken a long time. We appreciate you growing that beer so we can have it on here today with us in this podcast. <laughs> okay. So the reason I wanted to have Joe here is because Joe is a, is a man, and today we're gonna be talking about the big million dollar question that people have is where are all the dudes? Where are all the guys, right? And every time as a, as a man myself, I hear that, I think I'm a guy and I'm here. Like, I don't know. It's a, it's a hard question to answer. And I, I don't <laughs> think we can claim to know, like there's not one answer to, to answer the question. Why, for example, why are there more women candidates than, than males? Why are there more females that attend to 24 plus retreats, um, you know, matching education and socializing and networking retreats, which Joe attended to? Why is it that men, generally speaking, uh, are more hesitant to do things like enrichment type, marriage enrichment, family enrichment type of things? And uh, we're going to share our personal experience, but also our perspectives of why that might be and how we can kind of help shift this culture uh, for dudes, right? Because that's what we are, right? As two married guys. So how long have you been blessed for yourself? Coming up on, wow, one year in three days. <laughs> okay. Oh, man, congrats. So you just had one year anniversary. Awesome. So how's it going? How was your first year? uh wild ride i guess uh <laughs> right when we yeah we've done a lot of things like we went on a huge trip like working remotely i was going to school remotely and we just spent like five months going around the southwest went to all the national parks and uh that was great and then we came back home and winter was rough that's when, like the low of our relationship was like this past winter okay and uh actually wait no we're two years blessed and time, we won't tell your wife you forgot. <laughs> yeah, this past winter was the rough one. Um, and uh, but yeah, recently we've been like figuring a lot of things out, just like you know, a lot of that was like personal, just like we both were, you know, personally like trying to figure out where to go next, and then that confusion shows up in your interactions or you know, your self doubt, or so well, let's. Let's maybe what what did you learn and come out of that experience, having a cold winter in your relationship? 
<laughs> I mean, it's something I've probably relearned, but sometimes you just gotta like make, you just gotta make a change, whatever it is. Like if you literally have to go somewhere sunny and bright, <laughs> or if you, uh, you know, quit your job or, uh, I mean, that's kind of like what catalyzed it for us was, um, my wife kind of really made the first move to make things better. And she quit her job, her high paying, uh, tech job. <laughs> and she joined the Channel Gook missionaries for three months in Kenya. <laughs> and, and, you know, I got a job not long after that, after like not doing anything for a long time. And then that and like serving, like, I mean, we were just staying inside all day and not really interacting with much or volunteering for much. And that's another thing that really brought us out was uh, we volunteered to help create the core workshop. Mm. I don't know if you know about that one and on the East Coast usually. Yeah. And then we also helped with a one of the first NGA things to happen in like two years, which was okay, so a, a workshop called Revive. Volunteer. And that did that help you kind of your relationship come out of a little bit of a slump, you feel? Yeah, I mean, you get to start seeing, you know, that this other person's great and that you have something to offer. You know, you just start seeing things better when things are happening. <laughs> you start feeling better about yourself. You start, yeah, just seeing how great the other person is and I don't know, many more things. Yeah, different. you get some different perspective maybe that you didn't see before because you're not just in your house and the same old, same old. <laughs> I think it's a good that's good advice like sometimes you just need a change of environment change of perspective meet new people for me and my wife the hardest part of our relationship was living in New Jersey and when I was working in New York uh, at the headquarters in New York and it was the most stressful time of our lives not because anything wrong with New Jersey New York uh, it wasn't for us <laughs> we had a lot of good friends there we did absolutely you know some of our best friends uh, but it was just stressful like we had the small kids, little kids and going to New York every day. And, and then it was kind of a, a risky decision for me to decide, like, my wife's not happy because she's just stressed and tired all the time. It, I mean, you know, it is expensive, more, you know, considerably more expensive than other, other places in, in the States. And it was just kind of rough on our relationship. And then I just was like, you know what, let's move back to North Carolina. And we didn't know what would happen, right, to <laughs> us, what if it would be a good move. It's, it's giving up a lot. It's giving up a community. And that's a hard decision for anyone. But I'm eternally grateful that we did it. Uh, or at least I think I had the foresight in thinking about what would make my wife happy and what would make our kids, you know, settle down and and feel safe and secure and loved. And moving back down here with my with near my parents. So we live, you know, pretty close to my parents. And it's just been a game changer in terms of the pace of life for us. And it's just more, more relaxed. And now we have another baby. So it was just <laughs> months old uh so i don't think that would have happened honestly if we stayed there uh in new york and you know again it's, it's like there's nothing wrong with where people live but i feel like for us it's it's in it's it's we weren't emotionally in a place where we could handle or have the resilience to be there i remember mm -hmm. like driving in new jersey in new york and just being like stressed all the time I'd be like i hate this like just so <laughs> angry and like i didn't have the resilience i honestly didn't and now I, I, I'm more mature now. So when I go back there, I feel like, like, oh, I, I can handle this more. Um, so sometimes this does take a change. And I think it's good to do that with consideration, right? Anyways, Joe, um, you're in, where, where are you, by the way? Where are you located? Uh, in, well, yeah, near the uh, Bay Area Church in California. So San Leandro. California, nice. 
Right. So let's get into a bit about what your motivation for the blessing and matching. Uh, and it's, it's just, you know, it's helpful for people to hear. And, and because like, ultimately I, I have come to the firm belief over many years of talking with people about matching blessing that the stronger that we have a personal conviction to and motivation to go through this matching and receive a blessing, it pays dividends many times later on, because ultimately that is what is required in order for the blessing to subsequently be passed on to generations is that the people that receive the blessing not only do it for whatever reason but understand it to the extent that they want their children to receive the blessing as well because if people are just like getting blessed for no reason then it's very very unlikely that people will teach their children about the blessing or even talk about it or even give that as an option whereas opposed to people that get blessed and take the time to figure out like what does this blessing mean to me and then receive the blessing on that foundation, the dividends pay because they're more secure in, in how they want to raise their kids, what the afterlife looks like, who God is, what kind of marriage they want to actually create. So anyways, I just want to like paint that picture, but really ask mm -hmm. you personally, like what was your motivation in your heart between wanting to get matched and, and receive the blessing? Great question. <laughs> yeah, thinking back, um, I think like my motivation, <laughs> like, like, uh, was very different than say my wife's and mm -hmm. she thought I didn't have the right re you know well she didn't think I didn't have the right reasons but that I was missing some of the, <laughs> the right reasons mm -hmm. and uh so like for me it was like it was more that like I resonated with this grander vision for what a marriage can do and the role that a marriage plays in you know everything and you know society the world and that you know I I fully believed that, uh, you know, a great marriage, a great family is the way that you could most effectively create world peace or, you know, what, what would be the possible version of, of world peace. And, uh, and like, that's, I've always believed that, like I saw like the church most aligning with what I wanted and what I wanted to have my marriage marriages effect be. And that, uh, I was really open to like whoever God has planned for me, even if that's if it's not a church member, as long as like this is the vision, this is what we're carrying out, this is what we're creating. You know, that was more important to me. And but I just knew like most likely this person is going to be from the church because they pretty much everything I want aligns with what the church is talking about. And it's such a great group of people to <laughs> to you know a pool of people to look through and. Uh, so as part of me was just kind of like practical about it. I think that's at the core of it, just like the power of like what, how much more a marriage can be than what people are settling for, uh, how important it is to everything. And I wanted to like, not just like have the individual effect of my family, but I'm like a pioneer at heart. So I wanted to like set an example for others to follow, like tread a new path that makes it easier for others that I can share with others. And this is like one of the biggest things, me and my wife, this is like our shared vision is like helping others, well, you know, like pioneering the path of having a great marriage and family that other people can be inspired by and follow. And that's why, you know, I'm here on this podcast and that's why we've been doing testimonies at like 24 plus stuff and level, level two workshops. And we're thinking about becoming matching advisors. And Yeah, so it sounds like it was the process for you to figure out to come to the conclusion that this is what you wanted, right? Is there anything from your testimony that you want to share now that you feel like is valuable to people? 
that you're trying to help? I mean, something that I wholeheartedly believe is that, you know, no one is replaceable, that everyone has a gift to give, and that if any single person tricked into thinking they don't have something valuable, that the world loses out on it, like that there's something that forever got lost. And that's like the most tragic thing that you can think of. So like, that's like core to my belief is that everyone is worth, like infinitely worth something. And I want to help everybody have this, you know, I want to have help everybody create this loving family or structure that like brings out the best in them and everyone around them so that we can, you know, unlock all of this amazingness that so often gets, you know, like, like Wayne Dyer is someone I was just listening to before this to get prepared. And he says, uh, don't die with your music still left in left in you. And it's like so many of us reach the end of our life to realize that there was something we always wanted to do and we didn't do it. Something we were brought to this world to do. So, yeah, that's like my personal mission. And then together with my wife, it's like uh, right. we do the marriage thing. <laughs> yeah. So you have a desire to help people establish that. It sounds like you've also gone through a process of figuring out your own path. Like what is your unique, call it contribution that you feel like would be lost if you didn't reach your potential. You know what I'm saying? Like, so what have you found out about yourself in that regard? Um, yeah, that's another part where it's like, it was always this, you know, like getting prepared to be, I don't know, to like find someone or get into this matching process thing is very like stressful. <laughs> you know, it's like very confronting, you know, cause I put to me, like I put so much into it. Like to me, it was like, one of the biggest things for me to go and do or the biggest thing. Yeah. So that it really made it like, uh, you know, if I want to have this personal impact uh, of like how I can help others, like I'm here to set people free to know their purpose and to help them live it out. You know, I will be infinitely better at that if I have someone that I can grow with and a family and all those, you know, the realms of heart and all that stuff all that growth that uh, comes with a family like they're they're intertwined and but that just makes it it made it more intense it was like <laughs> you know it's like am i really gonna be this amazing am i really up to the challenge will a woman ever love me will i ever be a great dad or a great husband uh you know all those things really got more intense the more i believed in the value of it yeah. Okay, so it sounds like you you feel like your purpose is to help people find their thing. Yeah, anyway. find their passion. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I at the end of this, I'm going to I'm going to we're going to drop a way for people to contact you if they want. Is that all right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> all right. So stick around if you want to get in touch with Joe. Um yeah, so I want to get more into you mentioned like the matching process being uh challenging, difficult, scary. So what are some fears that, or a fear that you had about the matching that you went through? Yeah, I guess if I try to step back into that space of like being, a, well, I guess not really a teenager, but like a young 20s and my mom asking me every once in a while, hey, are you ready to start <laughs> you know, looking for someone? Um, I think the core fear was just, well, at first it was that I wasn't enough, 
or that I wouldn't, you know, that I would mess it up. Yeah. Uh, and then number of experiences like going on NGA really helped me find my self-worth. And then that kind of like that part of the picture, I guess, was solved in some sense. And then my greatest fear after that was I had, you know, without getting into any big story, there was something that like I was I was ready to like start the process at like 21 and I had someone in mind and then somehow it didn't work out like they had they were already like really far down the road with someone else and I didn't know mm. um and that like threw me for a loop like it it really threw me out it like spiraled me out I was at like the high of my life after you know for the whole year after NGA and then I don't know I kind of like wrapped all these hopes into like here's my lifelong problem of like worrying about finding someone and making it work and I, right. I kind of wrapped up got wrapped up in this idea of I could finally solve it like this you know what if it just worked out with this person <laughs> and you know I fell in love with the idea of it of of the problem being solved through them rather than you know having any like real care or love uh for the for the person if that makes sense and and uh, and then my fear became that, you know, if I ever take even the smallest step towards this big, this biggest thing that I want, that the universe is going to swap me down. That, you know, look what it did. I, I barely, you know, I, I could even say that I'd never even made a mistake. And somehow, like, it, it threw me out, like, a, a six-year spiraled out where, like, my life fell apart <laughs> in all different ways. And... Like things just wouldn't work. Like I'd try things and it would fail. And uh, and that just kept happening over and over. And like it affected my whole life, not just like trying to find someone. And I was like, just made me fearful that like, well, if I go for this again, next time it's just going to be worse. You know, I'm, the universe is just going to swap me down even harder. And so that was like the huge thing I didn't know I had to figure out was how to restore my trust in the universe like how do i restore like faith that you know you know like god the universe everything's on my side rather than kind of swap me down <laughs> yeah so what would you say to yourself back then if you could let's say you had a time machine and you had a chance to go back and tell your 21 year old self that just was feeling like everything shattered <laughs> everything shattered and you come with this giant beard <laughs> And he's like, who are you? Who the hell are you? I think my beard was bigger back then. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, yeah, what would I tell myself? I, um, I think one of the things that came out of like the process of like finally figuring out how to get out of that six-year slump and then go to 24 plus was something that when I was working with Sam Orman, I don't know if you know him. He's like, he does life coaching. Yeah. And uh, yeah, something that came out of that was, uh, let's see, I have it written down here. I mean, it means a lot more to me than maybe it'll make sense to everyone else, but. Sure. It's, it's, it's what I wrote down is it's okay for me to take a risk for what I truly want. And, uh, you know, basically just the idea is like, 
if it's something that you really care about, you know, there's always going to be some fear around it. There's always going to be this feeling like uh, if something goes wrong, it's easy to feel like that's proof that you shouldn't do it or that it's going to, it's going to fail if you keep going or, uh, and you know, the, the idea is that like, it doesn't matter. It's like, <laughs> you know, the, the, like, why else are you here? Like, if it's what you truly want, if it's mm. what I truly want, like, you know, like the Wayne Dyer quote again, it's like, what would be the point of getting to the end of my life mm. only to realize that I never actually tried to do the thing that I truly yeah. wanted? Mm. Like, which is more tragic to like try for it and fail or to like get to the end and mm. realize you like hoped it was easier the whole time or that you had some other desire instead that was easier, you know, yeah. something that makes no sense. <laughs> right. No, I, that's beautiful. I, I resonate a lot with that. I think it, for me, uh, I would have probably, I would have told myself something similar. Like the way I would phrase it is like, what's the worst that could happen? Think about what's the worst that could happen and realize that the worst that can happen is not that bad compared to the alternative, which is you do nothing. And I think if you put in that frame, it makes sense for people that are trying to achieve something. So people are like, oh, I want to, you know, I want to lose weight or I want to get incredibly fit. Okay, well, what's the worst going to happen if you just put yourself all into that 120%? And well, the actual worst you can have, worst case scenario is that you do nothing and then you get unhealthy and stay unfit and die early, right? People have an addiction or a severe, you know, dependency on something, whether it's drugs, porn, alcohol, whatever, anger. The worst you can happen is you do nothing. And if you try, if you join a program, if you contact someone, if you get in touch with people, if you do life coaching, what's the worst that could happen? It's not that bad. It's just fear. <laughs> yeah. And so when people are like, you know, because I work a lot with people who have, have porn addiction, right? It's like I compare it to to that because it's like, yeah, it's hard to check in every day with me and talk about your emotions with your spouse, with your parent, but that's what it takes. So choose your difficulty. You can do this or you can just be addicted your whole life. You can go to the gym, which is hard, short-term hard or long-term hard, which is you just are unhealthy and you stay the same and you are unhappy with your physical fitness or your health. That's the worst case scenario. So I'd probably say something like that to my old self as well. <laughs> um, yeah, Joe, this is awesome. So we're going to get into this, this billion dollar question is we're all the guys, we're all the dudes in our movement <laughs> around the world. Um, and we're just kind of talking, having some chit chat about this because we're trying to trying to paint a picture for for like our own experiences and our own perspectives. Um, but I guess let's get into more hypothetical, like because we don't really know. We don't know all the men in the world. <laughs> but I think as guys, as guys, we can we can hypothesize, right? We can we have theories. So maybe let's shoot a little bit of those. Like, where, what do you think is going on uh, with like, for example, twenty four plus? Uh, you know, is typically there are more female participants than male, right? And I know you guys, you and your wife participated in that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like you said, it's the billion dollar question. <laughs> I mean, the, I think the first thing that springs to mind is kind of, you know, maybe like the obvious one, well, maybe not to everybody, but like uh, studying like evolutionary things and psychology things that there's, you know, it's just the simple fact that women have this pressure of the time clock mm. much more than men feel it. You know, women, it's like, if 
you know, if, if they don't prioritize it in some sense more than men, then the big part of this, you know, idea of being married, you know, they can't fulfill, which is to have kids the way they would, you know, the, uh, natural born kids, um, you know, that's like one thing, but, um, interesting. It's just like the start, but like when it comes to like our church or the guys that I know, um, I don't know, there's all different reasons. I mean, I know for like something like 24 plus, like the reason I wouldn't have gone in the past and the reason, you know, versus the reason I did is that it just seemed like awkward or like, that's what I imagined. Like, I just imagined 24 plus was like a whole bunch of like men and women being like locked in a ballroom and then like they just see what happens you know like they just <laughs> you know or they have some like really weird awkward activity maybe but like <laughs> so maybe some guys are imagining that and you know they, they, they probably have some past experiences when they were younger at church events that make make the total not totally unwarranted that they might believe that that's what would happen <laughs> but um you know it's safe to say I'll, 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 that that's not how it is like the it's 24 plus like there's there's two things in my life that i participated in where i've said this about one was mga and one was with the 24 plus that i went to it felt like when i went to 24 plus that it was designed specifically for me mm. like it wasn't designed as like a great program or a perfect program for everybody but like it was so amazing that it felt like they were thinking of just me when they made it mm. <laughs> and that's how i felt when i went on nga and so there is like an amazing team of people that like like this is like their life's work like they want to make something amazing um so i would say that for people having that worry you know guys <laughs> that it's just some a random awkward thing <laughs> and if you've done the online ones i've heard i haven't obviously i haven't participated in those because uh they were all in person uh, mm. before and uh but like in in person is like it's just totally different like uh don't don't uh feel like you've tried five times with the virtual ones and now the there's no point in continuing and going to the, like the in-person one. Yeah. So that's another thing I might say. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually I think some people might not know exactly what 24 plus is. Could you give like a short description of it? Like, what is it? Yeah. It's like a, I don't know. It's like a three or four day retreat. They're usually somewhere really awesome. Like we were in LA at this, amazing location in the mountains. Um, I think this time it's in LA, not LA, uh, Florida. Mm -hmm. um, probably somewhere amazing. I haven't looked into it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's basically for anybody that wants to take the next step on their journey of, you know, getting blessed. And it really was designed for everybody on their next step. So um, some people had like, were so demoralized showing up that they had been through everything, hell and back, broken processes, and they didn't even feel ready to like talk to the person that, like if the right person was there, they didn't even feel like they were in the right place. 
but every like people like that got so much out of it like there was so much healing and growth and discovery of like what are my next steps like what is holding me back you know yeah and uh but then there's so many like intentional ways that they uh you know like pretty short presentations most of it's like some really well designed uh, ways to like socialize or interact there was like speed dating which is it's actually pretty cool i never thought speed dating would be i don't know that's something that i would do <laughs> but yeah. that was like one of the coolest parts um, i think if, i think they do it in a very strategic way that what do they call it it's not they don't call it speed dating do they uh yeah i forget what they call it but it's, it's something that they it's it's like more <laughs> strategic and mindful and yes yeah, yeah every yeah. even something simple like speed dating they made very intentional where mm -hmm. the the depth of the questions or how they set up your mind you know like everybody's mindset or intentionality for each activity is very good yeah um reminded me so much of nga like you know just the space that was created the vulnerability that all the uh staff had and mm -hmm the breadth of like you know some people were blessed for 10 years the you know shizu and uh her husband were like or was it them no no it was a uh, some other couple that was like just blessed within last mm -hmm. year and they all shared their like amazing stories but anyways like so 24 plus is like like if you just want to like if you're not you don't have to be like gung-ho confident that you're ready to find the person <laughs> to go i think is what i would say it's for anybody who's like, like really wants to move things forward and feels like they might be stuck or, or even just for someone who, you know, and for the person that feels gung-ho and ready to find someone, you know? <laughs> yeah. So 24 plus, just give them a shout out. There's a, they have a website that's 24 plus connect.com. 24 is the numeric 24 plus connect.com. Mm. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Joe. Uh, so you, you mentioned a lot of factors i think i if i were to boil down why this question keeps coming up in not just our faith but in the world at large and societies like we're all the eligible dudes the bachelors there's like 20 to 1 ratio of, of women to men and everyone's like what's going on and and i notice people get very people get very edgy and and somewhat <laughs> like like men are the worst <laughs> just like they're hiding it's like they're hiding in their mom's basement playing video games and that's a i think that's a very superficial and and maybe surface level understanding of what's going on but i feel like uh, there are many factors that contribute to why men generally speaking are less less susceptible and less willing to do things like 24 plus like go on a matching website like become a matching candidate like put themselves out there and one of those fa factors that you've alluded to which i didn't think about which is actually very interesting is that men have a biological biologically have a longer time window of uh of ability to have children so generally speaking they can procrastinate procrastinate and and uh put off relationships generally longer than women can um for childbearing reasons so that's a factor right but i think it's important for us to to label factors that contribute to it because if we isolate just like oh this is the reason this is the reason because you can always disprove each factor hmm. right because you can always say like, oh, it's not just because of the biology, because we have people who like, in my case, I was 18 years old when I was blessed, right? Who are like very <laughs> young. A lot of people listening to this are like, 
I want to get matched. I want to get blessed. I want to be in a relationship right now. A lot of men, right? So, so that disproves that it's only that, right? And I know, you know, you, you alluded to that too. Um, and it's also that, you know, people say it's like, oh, because men don't like self-help stuff, right? It's like, oh, well, that's not always true either because there are tons of men, husbands that like the self-help stuff and the women, and they're always dragging their wives to the marriage conferences. I know tons of, <laughs> of couples like that, right? So it's not just that. I think that fundamentally, if I were to put my finger on one thing, and you mentioned it too, which is, I think it's fear. Mm-hmm. I think it's like umbrella term that I would use is fear of something. And everyone has their different thing. Uh, and I have my own things, right? But ultimately, it's like, what are we afraid of? And and you mentioned that you were, uh, I think the word you you mentioned was inadequacy. I think some some term like that. And I think that's a big one. I don't know if that's the exact word used, but a fear of inadequacy is huge. And when we use the term fear, I think people tend to think like, oh, that's just like, that's just like being scared of the dark or being scared of the boogeyman. They kind of brush it off and it's like, (laughs) it's not that big a deal. And I should just man up and not be fearful. But I think fear is what drives so much of our human behavior to the point that we're, we are crippled by the fear of lots of stuff. Let's name a few, right? The fear of inadequacy, the fear of I made mistakes and I don't want to bring that into my relationship. I talk with people almost every day who are like, I have a crippling addiction or an unwanted porn habit or whatever. And I don't feel I'm adequate enough or mature enough to be in a relationship. That is physically stopping people because I don't, I fear that I can't be in a relationship or fear of disapproval or disappointment is huge. Disappointing yeah. my parents, fear of disapproving, being disapproved of by society, by my parents, fear that I'm not good enough. Like, what if I'm just not good enough? Fear of getting my heart broken, right? That's huge. If you go on a matching website, put yourself out there, go to 24 hour, four plus, the fear of like, what if I get hurt? What if I experience or re-experience a wound from the past and pain from the past? It's all, I think, wrapped up in fear. For me personally, my whole life has been, and I think this re- people resonate with this. That's why I'm sharing it. My thing is always fear of disappointment. And I noticed this in myself so profoundly all the time when I really started digging deep and, and seeing it. I'm so, I have been, I'm not as much now and because I've been working on it for a lot of years, uh, so afraid of, of experiencing disappointment from people. Like if I make a mistake, the fear of how they would react, how my parents would react, how my wife would react if they found out this thing about me. And it, it, it's, it's subtle, but it's huge, right? Like, for example, it's like, you know, um, like my wife and I, you know, went through a lot of our own winter of lots of fights and arguments. And it was always boiling down to the same argument, which was she would get upset at me for something. And then I would respond to her being upset with anger and upset at her for getting upset at me, which is like, kind of like, if you think about it logically, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> if somebody's <laughs> yeah. upset, it makes me like, they, she could be upset about anything, like the weather. And then I'd be upset because she was angry. It's like, that doesn't, that doesn't, that's like the most unloving thing I could do is be like, why are you angry? You shouldn't be angry, you know? And I realized that <laughs> yeah. after blaming her for so long and being like, you're the issue, you need to change. I realized that I felt that way because I felt like I was disappointing somebody. I felt like my wife is not happy. Therefore, it's a reflection on me as a man. I felt like, like I'm not a good provider. But that's like subconsciously how I felt. I'm not a good provider. I'm not a good husband because my wife is not happy. Does that make sense? Mm. And so I was putting this pressure on myself of like, I'm afraid of being disapproved of as a man and being inadequate as a man because my wife is not happy or because my child is not happy. So I made it about me 
And then I realized like, that's just fear of disappointment. That's just fear of, of me feeling like, like I'm making a mistake. And then someone is not going to be, be approving me. Someone's not going to love me really. I'm, I'm not worthy of that. And I noticed it like in a small things, like if I'm late for a meeting, like one minute late for a meeting, I'll be like, like, I, I hope that they don't, you know, think I'm, you know, disrespectful of their time, like afraid that the person in the car behind me thinks I'm a bad driver or anything like that. Right. And I noticed in the little things. And then I started talking about this exact, uh, this exact concept of fear of disappointment and just fear in general with people uh, that I work with, with like addiction recovery. And what I've noticed is that across the board, people, you know, especially men experience this, a lot of fear. Um, and what I realized is that the fear of disappointment feels the same as, as being unloved, unloved, being disappointed in and being disapproved of. It sounds like a small thing, but it feels the same as some, as somebody doesn't love me. That's how it feels. And I noticed this when I like tell guys, like if somebody confesses something to me or says like, oh, I made a mistake or I, you know, did something I was not supposed to do or whatever. And then I just say like. I know you made a mistake. I hope you learned something from it, but I hope that you know ultimately that you're still worthy of grace and love and acceptance. And just saying that just melts them. Like I've seen grown men like <laughs> say that to them and then just they just start crying. This happened multiple times. They said, because and because and they said, because I've never had somebody say that to me when I made a mistake. And I was like, yeah, because every time you have slipped up and made a mistake in your life, someone you probably was upset at you. And I'm here to tell you that that's you're, it's not true that you're not worthy of grace and love and acceptance and approval, unconditional approval. But we've learned, many people have learned their entire lives that that is how the world operates through experiences, very small experiences. So I'm fully convinced that the, the way to be a man, if I were to say it, to be a real man is to wear your seatbelt, number one. No, I'm kidding. Is to... <laughs> is to, um, is to constantly invest in proving or proving to ourselves that we are worthy of unconditional grace and love basically filling ourselves up with god's love that's how i put it like charging my batteries and when i do this uh you know with with the people in my life like with my dad or with my my wife and i talk to them and say hey like today i was really angry i was really upset and i shouldn't have been and i'm sorry and saying that out loud and then realizing that i'm still loved i'm still worthy of their their acceptance and approval that like charges me. And that's like a affirmation. And that very much like, it's an affirmation that, oh yeah, all the, the BS that I tell myself about, I'm not a, a worthy of this. I'm not worthy of that. It's all false. It's all fallacy that I've believed my entire life, but is not true. And so that's like my personal, like life of faith right now is like, I look for ways that I can talk to people and get filled up as a man and be in charge of my batteries. Because when I talk to people like that and have conversations like this, Joe, it charges me for like a day, like two days. And the reason people fall into isolation, depression, addiction, loneliness is because they're just not filled up. They're empty and they're running on empty. And when you're empty, you can't do anything. When you're empty, all you can do is be fearful. All you can do is run away. All you can do is not take action when you're really feeling empty. When we start to just be like, you know what? What's the freaking worst that could happen? What's the worst that can happen if I just started talking to someone? That's what I said. Me and my dad, my dad's Japanese. And everyone I talk to has a Japanese dad. They're like, oh, my dad won't talk to me because he's Japanese. I'm like, dude, so is mine. <laughs> and let yeah. me break that belief for you because my, my dad and I developed a relationship, even though I thought I would never have a relationship with my dad where we could talk about emotional stuff. 
I was like, screw that belief. I'm going to change that. I'm going to say, I'm going to create a relationship with my dad where we can talk openly about, about whatever. And that's what we do. And we've started mm-hmm. to develop this habit of talking every week or just like 15, 10 minutes on the phone, just like how I'm doing this week. It's game changing because I was like, screw that. What's the worst that can happen if I just started this habit? And it's changed my life. It's life changing. So people who are like men who are like, I don't know if I should do 24 plus. I don't know if I should go on a website. I don't know if I should be a matching candidate. I don't know if I should go on a podcast with Benji and talk about whatever. It's like, okay, what's the worst that could happen? I don't know if I should change my career. I don't know if I should quit my job and go to freaking, where did your wife go? <laughs> Kenya. Kenya. I don't know. What's the worst that could happen? And she did it. And it's like, awesome. But I think the fear of failure is huge but i think it's deeper than that when i really peel it back i think fear fear of failure is the surface but underneath that is fear of looking like a failure that's really what people are afraid of what will i look like to other people and to myself if i fail let me tell you you don't fail until you quit and when you realize that you don't fail until you quit there's no way to fail (laughs) if you start a business and you don't learn from your experience and take it to something else then you fail but if you learn from what your mistakes, your failures, and then you take it to something else, you're not failing. You're progressing. That's the that's building the house. That's brick by brick building it. If you start a matching process that doesn't work, if you start a hundred matching processes that don't work, it's not a failure until you give up and say, this isn't for me. Let me just go back. If you are trying to quit an addiction and you relapse, you make mistakes and you say, this isn't for me. I'm going to give up. I'm just going to live with this addiction. Then you have failed. But you've not failed if you don't give up. Anyways, Joe. I know that you, <laughs> I'm just talking to like everybody out there in the universe right now. What are you, what are you thinking about? <laughs> no, yeah, you, you got me. Uh, yeah, thinking about, I guess a couple of, like, I'm trying to kind of like sum it all up in my head where, uh, yeah, I mean, that fear that you're talking about was like, you know, and somewhat describing the essence of what the problem was for me. It was, yeah, all those fears of like, being a husband, being enough, being uh, fear of being able to combat, you know, like not trusting the universe and feeling like, can I, uh, you know, X, Y, and Z, can I, can I make it work? Can I make it happen? And I think like putting it in the, like the perspective of guys specifically, I think a lot of guys, you know, and I'm one of them where, can fall into this trap of like, you can be alone. You know, you can do things yourself. You can be self-reliant. You can, uh, you know, just spend seven days a week for months on end, just like learning things on YouTube, playing some video games, like, Mm -hmm. you know, getting a job for three months and then not working for six months and then getting a job for three months. Like you can do all these like random weird things, have fun, survive. It's, you know, I know for me personally, and a lot of guys I know, it's easy to live in that kind of isolation. It's not like great, like, like when you're honest with yourself, there's like that background fear of like, there's something more that you want to do with your life and you're not doing it. And that doesn't feel great every time you, you know, get a a moment that you're not distracting yourself. And so it's not, you know, like we trick ourselves into thinking that we can just avoid it. And yeah, I think um, like what you were saying, 
I think like maybe like a practical piece of advice to kind of like get out of that trap. Well, I mean, first it's like be aware of it, but like yeah. something that really worked for me and maybe a, like a new way I can put it that's that I'm just coming up with now is like, you got to go be a man. Like there's the version of being a man that is like what you do that I just described, like being self-reliant, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But like the, like the man that you want to evolve into, like the man that's actually going to make a difference in the world and have an amazing family, yeah. that man does not like sit alone in his basement. You know, he doesn't like, uh, you know, just get angry at other people and avoid relationships and making his relationships better. And um, like, so like one of the, the biggest things you can do is like you said, I think you put it like prove yourself that you're a man. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not just like doing risky or uh, stupid things. You're probably already mm-hmm. doing some of that, but like, <laughs> like the version of the man that like has you be useful to society, like I was saying, like that has you um, uh, be able to be confident or to, to be a great husband and a great uh, father. And so like some of the things I did was like just swallowing my pride and asking for help. Mm. Like that's something I just don't do or like mm. not very often. And like, so asking like Sam to be my life coach was a huge like step in the right direction of just like, you know, allowing someone else to help me. And I feel like that's a big step on like building your, like getting back to that, that, um, that point about like biology like women are they get it like everybody has to be initiated men and women sorry (laughs) but women it's kind of like the initiation happens more not automatically but there's there's kind of like things that get set in motion that like make end up most women like go from being a, a girl to a woman you know they like move into this higher role that their life has to play. But for men, there has to be something very intentional. There has to be like, you know, a lot of cultures have this like initiation or what do you call it? The uh, rite of passage. Mm. And like, it's the rite of passage that has you go from being a boy to a man. It's not like being old enough. It's not like, uh, you know, like fending for yourself for 30 years. Like it's about taking your place in society and know like taking on the responsibility that I uh, am responsible to take care of others that, you know, if, that if I want to be a man, I got to make sure that the people around me are taken care of. And you can do that so many different ways. You can like invest in your friends. You can uh, build your relationship with your parents. Like you did something I also did. Um, you can, just like learn, like go go take a course on like communication, you know, yeah. like invest in yourself, like spend some money on this, on being a man <laughs> in this different sense that maybe some people who are listening aren't thinking of like uh, yeah. how to be a better communicator, how to have great relationships with people that make you angry every time you talk to them, how to be of service, like, you know, volunteer for something, you know, all of these things were like essential in my path. Like if I was just watching 
philosophical and psychology videos like I was, and I just continued doing that, I would never get all the answers I needed to like feel confident mm. to like go and, and get married or start the process. Like that was just like, I learned a lot and a lot of it's useful, but without that like catalyzing step of like the rite of passage and like doing all the actions of being a man, I was never going to feel confident to like go and find somebody and make it happen. Yeah, I feel... I, this this episode is long overdue because this constantly is coming up and I wanted to my my heart wants to defend men because <laughs> we are always kind of thrown under the bus as like like men need to grow up men need to you know be a man all that kind of stuff uh, but also my my heart wants to kick men in the arse because <laughs> because we need it quite frankly yeah. we do we need it we, give them that tough need a little bit yeah, we need tough love. We do have pride. That's another factor. You did mention pride. We do have a lot of pride. And so it's hard to see ourselves clearly because of that pride and because of the fear. So if I were to give uh, a piece of advice that's practical is identify the fear and then tackle that because usually there is a few fears that are the biggest constraints in our lives. There's a few big fears that are that are driving us to take actions in our behavior such in such ways that are not productive for us, such as like, oh, I'm afraid of failure in whatever situation. Okay, then if you're afraid of failing in business or career or relationship, then prove to yourself that that's not true. Prove to yourself, like I was just talking with a guy who has crippling anxiety and fear around his career. You know, he was asked like, what, what are you going to be doing in the next 10 years? He gets so much stress and anxiety thinking about it because he's like, I don't know if I have, have what it takes to be successful. And I was like, okay, like, what do you want to do? He was like, I don't know. I was like, well, do you feel like you're going to be failing in 10 years? Like, what does that look like? And he's like, no. I was like, well, then this is an unfounded fear that you have. Like, you're a smart dude. You're a capable person. And any mm -hmm. promise you, anybody that's listening to this right now, this far in this episode, is capable enough of succeeding in every way that you thought possible. Because there are millions of people that are less capable, less smart than you, probably less attractive than you, <laughs> that have... <laughs> that have succeeded beyond anything you could think possible. There are. So it's not true that you can, you're going to fail. It's not. And just disprove that to yourself so you can remove that knot in your system. You can remove that constraint. And because, and when you remove that constraint, you can actually flow to actually like do the thing that you're trying to do. So I would say like, identify like, what am I afraid? What am I really afraid of? Tackle that thing. For me personally, it was like fear of disapproval. I was afraid of people disapproving me or dis being disappointed in me. And so I had to figure out ways to prove to myself that it doesn't matter what people think, actually. And the, the people that really do matter, my wife, my parents, God, I know that I don't have to get their approval because I know that I'm already loved and accepted by them, regardless of what I do. And so I had to prove to myself that that's not true, that people will di be disappointed in me. And so that's like the main thing that I tried to work on. And that's substantially improved my, my happiness, my well-being, my life, everything, because I don't have that constraint anymore, at least to the degree that I used to, for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, so I just want to like say, like, I feel for people just letting everyone know men are not just dogs who are just like in the basement playing video games. Yes, we are. A lot of men are. But the reason they're doing that is not because they're just lazy. It's because underlyingly, there's a lot of fear. And we might not admit it, and probably we won't admit it. There's a lot of pride, and there's a lot of fear that's underlying, and there's a lot of hurt and wound, and we just don't know how to get out of it. So 
um, I think the best thing we can do for a guy is just confront him be like, Hey man, like, what's up? I love you. What do you need? You know, do you want to be like this your whole life? Do you want to be where you are right now? Or do you want to achieve something more? And if you want to achieve something more, then let's do that. You know, let's talk about that. Um, yeah. Anyways, Joe, uh, any, any, uh, resources or books or anything you want to conclude with? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I maybe just want to say one more thing. And then, yeah, there's a couple of things I could offer as far as yeah. like resources. Um, a lot of men, um, you know, like, like you, you kept on talking about how it's easy to pile on and, and, uh, blame men for the men not showing up. Right. <laughs> and, you know, like we're here to like kick the men in the butts and like, you know, shake them and tell them that like, yeah, you can do it. You can like make this happen, you know, all of that. And that's like the role for us to play. But I, th I think another thing to be said is that, you know, relative to other times in recent history, it's a lot less clear for men, like what their purpose is. Like the narrative of like a good man is become clouded or it's almost for a lot of people, they feel like to be a man is seen as a bad thing in today's society. Mm. And so there's like almost the opposite push from a lot of directions in people's life of for men that, uh, you know, you're a vile creature, so stay in the basement rather than like you have something great to live up to, you know? So I would just, you know, I give sympathy for like the, the especially like the younger the men are, the, you know, the, the more this is affecting them. Um, there's some really bad narratives around the value of men in today's society. And, you know, don't fall for that. Like uh, start looking at things that give you the, the right vision of what a man really can be. And so I guess that like perfectly leads into like some of the resources I could give. <laughs> um, so one of the, um, I mean, this one isn't so much to do with men, this first one, but the, one of the book that like right before going to core and then 24 plus where I found my wife that I read that like, kind of like it flipped a switch and got me out of that six year slump was the peaceful warrior and it's a it's not really a self-help book because it's like it's a it's a story you know it's like a it's a novel but like that one was so good it, it'll it'll get you out of your funk or that's at least what that's what it did for me like it you know there's all these like traps of what you think life is and it kind of like shakes them all off of your brain <laughs> And then, but like one more, maybe that's more specific to men. And that, you know, that's like one of the two books I ever read that was life-changing, The Peaceful Warrior. The other one was wow. Power of Now. Um, but yeah, one specifically for men is this book called The Way of the Superior Man. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of it. Um, no, I haven't. Cool. A lot of these things are kind of based in traditional Eastern thought um like these these books that i'm talking about of you know like anyways i don't yeah i don't know you need to explain them too much but like um you know, the peaceful war i mean that was just it was amazing like it's like it's like a manual for being a man in relation to women mm -hmm. like it gives you so much 
confidence in like what you intrinsically are. Like it points out all the things that you could misperceive as being useless or bad or toxic uh, in you as a man. And it shows you how to channel them in the right direction. It gives you a guide to like how you can be this amazing, masterful husband, lover, uh, you know, and it, it's, it's just like so good. I don't know. <laughs> like cool. I definitely yeah, recommend yeah. anybody to read that or any yeah, guy we'll, to read that. We'll put the links down in the show description uh, so people can read about them more. Yeah, that'd be yeah. awesome. And then, yeah, so many other things. I mean, this one might be controversial for some people, maybe not guys, but there, because uh, he gets involved in some political stuff. But Jordan Peterson has some, mm-hmm. like, if you watch him stuff about, like, he has a lot of great things that will motivate, like, give you a vision of, like, what it truly means to take your place in the world and to be a great man, to be a good man. Yeah. And um, so, you know, that was something that's definitely helped me. Um, cool. Yeah. Sencha's awesome. She's my sister. So I got <laughs> good access to that help. Um, She's a good resource. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, just, just spend some money on yourself, like on, on like specifically like this goal that you have. Like, like I said, take a communications course, hire a life coach, uh, go to like a warrior camp or like a, you know, like a, um, man, what's that guy with the raspy voice? Uh, who's like, 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 what man, what's his name? Uh, anyways, there's, you know, like the, the, the change your life workshops or, um, Oh, Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know something like, right. yeah, like ignite yeah. that NGA does, or um, yeah. Okay, yeah. we will we will put as many of those resources as we can down below. Uh, I'll just point out three that have been impactful for me. Uh, I'll say the High Noon podcast, which is totally free, good for guys because Andrew and I are on that when we talk about guy stuff. But also we have female speakers as well. Uh, also wild at heart is kind of along the same line. I read that when I had my son, my first son, uh, when he was born, I, I read wild at heart and that was just illuminating about, you know, the, the true nature of a man's heart. And the third one I'll say is real, real love by Greg bear. I think the real love concept is really, uh, it's just a beautiful portrayal about what, what unconditional love is actually like. And it's very, very helpful when you're trying to select a partner, incredibly helpful. So uh, check those out if you want. You can read more about them. Um, yeah. So, Joe, how can people contact you if 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 you want them to contact you? Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can just. Oh, yeah, I'm down. Like, if, if you want to contact me by my phone, I think we can. I can provide that and my email. Uh, you can send h joseph ninety one at hotmail dot com. All right hotmail.com or just you know hit me up on facebook if you find the right person it's pretty obvious because of my beard <laughs> lorax look like a lorax <laughs> yeah. all right cool joe it's great to have you man thank you so much for your time yeah thanks for having me